We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, here's one Patrick Barnes with the super chat. Thank you, Patrick. Haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you back. How often do you guys at Irish breakdown know in advance of who they are picking, but don't say anything out of respect to the players and their announcement. Thanks for the podcast while I work uh, more often, almost always, not always. I had no clue that a Maureen Walker was going to commit to Notre Dame last year. Kind of, you know, kind of took me off guard and look how that one worked out. Right. But <laughs> more often than not, especially in today's era where these kids are going to be making decisions on TV and things like that, they, you know, they go into these decisions, they usually know where they're going. You know, it's it's more often than not. It's the it's the signing day ones where you can kind of get a little bit of an intrigue. Yeah. But I, I think the last time I was really shocked, if I'm trying to I'm just trying to think. Probably Noah Boykin in 2018 was the last time that a kid picked Notre Dame in like a signing day scenario where we were not we were like what no one expected. Even the Notre Dame coaches didn't expect it. They were coming into the press conference. If you remember the story, they were coming into the press conference, getting ready for Brian Kelly's announcement. Also, we heard all this noise in the back and they were watching old Boykin's commitment and he picked them. Everybody thought he was going to go to Florida, Virginia, but normally we have an idea. Like we, we, we have an idea of what's going to happen. And so we, we, we try to, you know, we try to let y'all know kind of what we're hearing and what we're seeing without taking the kids home. But the other thing too, is you, you need to be careful too, because kids can always change their mind and it sure. doesn't happen often, at least not right before the commitment. Usually when a kid changes his mind, it's after the fact, and there's a decommitment to flip and all that. But normally once they've made this decision, because there's no enforcing them to make, to make the announcement, they, they choose to do it. So we have a pretty good idea normally of these type of things. As far as when, when there's an announcement t- scheduled, we have a pretty good idea of that. And, and our stance has always been, look, we'll try to drop hints to give you guys an idea. We won't be too, too crazy about it because at the end of the day, this is still this kid's moment. And it's 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 his chance to set, tell everyone what he's doing. It's not ours. It's not two, four, sevens or on threes moment to have. It's it's his. And the way that you can kind of know that we knew what was coming is when we published three articles within 30 seconds of him committing, you know, you can kind of have an idea. We have an idea that was coming. Because I'll tell you what I don't do. I do not write commit stories just in case. I don't. I don't do that kind of stuff. But uh, is he the only commit story I have written right now? No, he is not. 
I'll, just, I'll leave it <laughs> good at that. tease good I'll tease yep i like that don't you love it don't you love it <laughs> so let's get some let's get to some questions ryan um first of all a comment from our, our guy may say okay brian are you saying that a former coach couldn't sell for four four for 40 you'd think we didn't have a sheffer on site or something i just love the i love the pettiness of that comment the saltiness of that comment is just wonderful just you, you you speak to me, May. She speak to me. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it's not that he didn't sell the four for forty. It's just he sold it as a cliche, and then other people sold what it meant. You know, where Marcus Freeman talks about the the, the deeper thoroughness to it. But again, that stuff hits home more when you have a, an actual relationship with a recruit. I mean, for all of you that have been recruiting this long, have how many times did we ever hear? When kids would talk about Coach Kelly, it was always like what Coach Kelly's building and want to play for Coach Kelly. But it was never about like in my conversations with getting to know so and so. That's what you're saying with with Marcus Freeman. So let's let's dive into some questions here, Ryan, as we kind of wrap this thing up. We have a super chat from Garth Cassidy. Thank you for that, Garth. Does taking three D linemen last year make it possible to take five D linemen this year? So that is eight over the last two years if we do, in fact, get Jason Moore. Yes, I think so. Now, if they would have got a fourth defensive lineman last year, I, I still wonder if they would have gone to nine this year. I, I'd be curious about that, but the reality is we, we we won't know that. They only signed three last year. And the other thing, too, is only one of last year's was like a pure inside guy, and that was Donovan Heinish. I think Tyson Ford can play it, but Tyson Ford's more of an outside guy that could move inside. Aiden Gobier is a pure outside guy. Whether it's Viper, maybe he moves to big end someday. He's an, he's a pure outside guy. But, yes, I think only taking three last year. And then they only got three the year before as well. They had Will Schweitzer, Gabriel Rubio, and Jason Onye. I don't think they had more than that because Devin Upow moved to linebacker and has since transferred. So I believe I, I'm going to look this up, but I believe they only signed three the year before as well, which only added to the need for, yes, Devin Upow was the fourth D lineman, but he ended up moving to linebacker. And Will Schweitzer was playing linebacker in the spring game, spring game. So I don't know if he's if that's a permanent move or just something they needed to to have for, this, for the blue gold game. But now obviously you, you also have to consider now too is last year's three is kind of now four. Right. Because I just it just hit me. They did move Josh Burnham to Viper. But if you look at Burnham and Kilbyra, they're a little bit of a different kid than most of the kids that are in this class. They've only focused on one Viper in this class, and it was Keon Keeley, and they got him early. Their He's focus 6'6", is, 240 already. Right. <laughs> right. Their focus has been on the nose, the three, and big. Those are the three that they've been focused on in filling up in this class. And then, of course, for next year's class. So the, we're actually – before – we get to questions. I, I did want to know part of the what's next to Ryan is now that you've landed this elite class, if you're able to get Jason Moore, go to five, five, I said, go to five. <laughs> it's one of those days, man. Uh, that, that means the numbers for next year aren't as the needs aren't as great. You know, you can be a three to four man class. And now that you've already got, if you're, if you're able to close up on Jason Moore quickly, and you're and you've already got Brandon Davis Swain in the class in 2024. That means Notre Dame can really zero in on some high level players in 2024. That also matters because there's a lot of other schools that are going to be spending a lot of time the next four, five, six months trying to fill out their defensive line class in 2023. Notre Dame's basically done. It's one dude and that's it. One dude left and that's it. That means they can start 
put putting the heat on, not putting the heat on, but up in their their relationship building with guys like Justin Scott, the 6'5", 310-pound kid from Chicago, who's the number three player in the country, according to On3 that they just offered the other day, who goes yeah. to a private school, you know, Catholic school uh, kid in, in uh, Chicago. They can focus on, okay, who's the Viper we want next year's class? Who's the Who are the guys we want? And now you can have a more a, a more narrow field to work from. You can you can focus more on the Nigel Smiths, the Elijah Rushings. You know you don't need to have this big board. You can say we want those guys because numbers are not an, an are not an issue next year. It's about impact talent, and it can be the beginning of this two year haul of twenty two and twenty three can be the beginning if you do it right of Notre Dame getting on the level where you could say. Nobody recruits the D-line better than us. Some people may be able to be on our level, but nobody does it better than us. That's what the Notre Dame staff has a chance to do, Ryan, if they can really get this thing going. And filling up this early is going to allow them to get a huge head start on some of those five-star kids next year because, you know, as the Alabamas and those schools and the USC's are pushing for Elijah Rushing and the Nigel Smiths and the high guys, high-impact guys like that, they still have a bunch of 2023 guys they've got to recruit. Notre Dame doesn't. So Al Washington's focus for the you know af- hopefully by sometime in June, Al Washington's entire focus now recruiting wise is on fending off schools coming after Keon and Jason and Devin and and Brubakar and and Brennan if they're able to get Jason more in the class, which is a lot easier than trying to convince them to come. But now your focus is on next year's group, and yeah. that gives them just another leg up in the, in that situation, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and the fact that they already have Brandon Davis Swain, who is a top 150 mm-hmm. by pretty much every you know platform right now, is a great start. Because you mentioned the body types and the the styles that they are recruiting heavy in this in this class with the big ends potential moving inside. Brandon Davis Swain's kind of the same guy, right? Like he's six four, two forty already as a sophomore, so he's going to be a massive kid down the line. And I, I mean, early on, again, we are two years away from from this class being you know really tangible. 
but there are some dudes on that defensive line class for 2024. Mm-hmm. It seems like you mentioned right. Nigel Smith. That kid is a absolute stud. That is your strong side end, maybe three tech down the line. Like that is what Jason Moore is this year. That's what Nigel mm-hmm. Smith kind of is in that class. Elijah rushing. Maybe it could be a Keon Keeley. We'll see. Obviously, he needs mm-hmm. to develop out of Arizona, but they, that's the style that he plays. He's more of that Viper, maybe strong side defensive end, because he's already – I mean, he's like a smaller guy, right? But he's mm-hmm. 6'5", 225 already right. as a sophomore. So, like, he's going right. to be a massive kid as well. So, yes, you now you set your sights. Finish with Jason Moore. If you can, set your sights on 2024 and you, right. you, you be relentless, as you right. are, as they have been already in 2023. Right. No question. I, I saw this. I'm sorry. This is great. From Kamikaze fullback hit my girlfriend. I have to go to a zoom baby shower at four. You can, you find something to do for an hour. Yep. I got this. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Very, very well played. Got a super chat from Zach Martin. Now, now Ryan, let's dive into our Q officially dive into our Q and a got a super chat from Zach Martin. Zach, thank you very, very much. Yesterday's show question, hypothetical. Would you take a five-star transfer kid you recruited, but they did, but they took the NIL money for the first time for the first one, in, i.e., Quinn Ewers? Uh, you want to take a you want to take a first crack at that, Ryan? That question. So basically, saying like, let's just say hypothetically, I think the example for Notre Dame would be Cardinal Tate. Right. Let's say Cardinal Tate takes a payout, you know, takes a, a an NIL deal somewhere, and in a year or two, decides, you know what? I made a mistake. I should go to Notre Dame. Um, what what would your reaction be if you're Notre Dame? I have several thoughts on that, but I want to give you a chance to talk talk first. It's a slippery slope, and I could see both sides of it. Honestly, I if I was on the Notre Dame staff, I would like to think that I'd always be open to adding great talent, right? And there's no question that in your in this specific example, you were talking about Cardinal Tate. Like, there's no doubt that he's a great football player, and he would help your program. But I, I would question the fits because what are the priorities, right? Like the priorities is something. Because the one thing about Notre Dame is, yes, we're, they are on the major lookout for great talent. There's no doubt. But then also there's that other side of it where you also want to add great young men. And that's not saying that the kids that are all going for the NIL money aren't great young men. I'm just talking about priority side of that, that character type of concern. So I would say I wouldn't be incredibly open to it, but I would – I'd be open to the conversation, but I would be hesitant. Like it would have to be the right player who maybe, you know, there are players that make mistakes. Like these are young men. These are 17, 18 year old kids who maybe they made a mistake and maybe they prioritize some things that maybe they shouldn't have prioritized in the recruitment. So I wouldn't hold it necessarily against them. It's just a case by case basis in my opinion. I, I think you nailed that last part. It's got to be case by case. And, it, and, and that's because the reasons why they took the money have to matter. If a kid took the money because that's just what he wanted and he was chasing that, I'd I'd be a little skeptical because that tells me he's looking for things that maybe we aren't all about. And if a kid went to another school, took money, and he's not playing, I'm probably not going to look at him. If a kid goes there and he's playing but he just isn't happy there, I'd probably be more willing to look at him because now he's got buyer's remorse because he's not playing, right? And that that would probably turn me off a little bit. I think you also have to be mindful of the situation in regards to, okay, why is he take, why is he looking for this money? Is, was there a, a strong parental or adult influence in his life that was pushing him in that direction? I'm going to be a little bit more sympathetic to that because now that he's away from them and he's at a school, he realizes he made a mistake and came back. The, you know, so, so like a Cardinal Tate, 
if Car- let's say Cardinal Tate goes to Tennessee just for argument's sake, and he plays as a freshman, but he's just miserable, and, and he's like, man, I should have gone, and he wants to come to Notre Dame, I'd probably be more open. Now, I'd want to have some conversations with him and find out, you know, hey, where's your head at? Do you understand? We can't do this for you, right? Like, you get that, right? And and I would need him to understand that. And you've got to you've got to prove yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I, I'd be open to a kid like Cardinal Tate, a, a kid like Quinn Ewers, who went through the process of of graduating early, selling out basically his high school teammates so he could get a payday. I want no part of that kid on my football team. None. Here's the thing about Cardinal Tate. For all the issues I have with how Cardinal's handling things, Cardinal is a competitive kid. He he's there with his teammates. I've never heard anything about him being a bad kid. I just think he's in my opinion, making some decisions that I think are ill-advised. He's made, he's focus, focusing on short-term gain in, in, in such a way that I think he's sacrificing long-term success. That's just my opinion. Sure. I, I, I think his, I think he's acting away on it on social media that I don't, I don't, I don't like And If I was someone advising him, we would have a very strong conversation about it. I'm all for you doing things to gain followers from other teams, but starting to pick at other fan bases that's not like I've always praised his savviness on social media. He's crossed the line in some instances lately. I would have some things to say, but I just think that's more of a young kid who's trying to build a following because knowing that that's going to result in, you know, some potential deals. I'd be a little bit more sympathetic to him if his scenario was, you know what, coach, I made a mistake. You know, I took the money. I had my, my, whoever in my family or pushing me and, you know, my heart, because I've always felt, what have I always said? If NIL wasn't a thing, what have I said this whole time? Cardinal Tate's going to Notre Dame. I, I truly believe that. So I have to have some sympathy for a 17-year-old kid who's got people in his life saying, take the money, take the money, take the money. Right. As opposed to a kid that literally bailed on his high school football team. So he could go enroll early to a school that apparently now wasn't his dream school, right? Because that's what he's saying now it? that he's a Texas. I always yeah. wanted to go to Texas. Well, why'd you go to Ohio State first? Because you know? because NIL wasn't legalized in Texas Correct. at that point. Correct. So he went up to Ohio, and then once Correct. it was, then he came back exactly. to Texas. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it was all you – would, you would sell out whoever you want, who you needed to, your whole high school teammates, all of it, to get that payday. Sure. I can't have a guy like that as my starting quarterback. Can't. It's fair. It's fair. So to his point, it's – it's and the other thing, too, is I, I have to have a need for you. Like if Notre Dame signs the receiving class that we're capable of, and let's say they get off to a great start in 24, let's say they get, you know, let's say they get Emmett Mosley. Let's pull up a couple of these 2024, you know, recruits, Ryan, to kind of. Micah, Micah Hudson's got you know, Yeah, Micah. I mean, they, there's some. Ryan really, Pelham. Really, yeah. Zion Reagan. There's some yeah. really good 2024 receivers that are on the board. Not a lot of them have visited. You know, you've got. Uh, Nicholas Marsh, Jeremiah McKellen, right? There's some guys like that. Uh, Jason, Grayson Richardson, Joseph Stone, Ryan Wingo. Let's say they are able to get back on him. If yeah. they if they land Jaden Greathouse, Ronan Hannafin, Rodney Gallagher in this class, right? Just hypothetically, and they've already got a couple guys next year. You know, I, I may have to think about that because it's like we, you know, these guys wanted to be here. You know. We, we have to go. I'll tell you something else. I would I would make the kid that wants to 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 come. I'd have to make I would make him work for it a little bit, and not in a petty way, but more of a I want to really see where your heart's at kind of way, you know. And if I turn you down once and say I'm not sure, are you just going to then go running somewhere else, or are you going to keep coming at me? Right. I, I'm going to be honest. I would need to see a little bit of that to be to to be to feel better about bringing that kid on as well. 
Let's get to some more questions here. Ryan, Sid Irish with a great question. Why is Ronan Hannafin a three-star? Uh, do well, you I think we all know one reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I mean, I'll say he's he's a white receiver from Massachusetts. There you go. That's why. That's the that's the reason, right? Like, right. Let's be honest about it. He doesn't play in a great. Fo- I mean, it's a good football state. There's some players that come out of Massachusetts, but it's not a great football state, right? For producing high school uh, college football players, I should say. He's a white receiver, so there's some preconceived notions that come mm-hmm. to your mind about him. Although, if you watch, I had that conversation say, today, Ryan. Yeah. I had a guy tell me, he's like, I don't know how I was to do. He's a 4-4. Four, four. No, he runs he's in the 4-4s four, four yeah. at 6 foot three. Yeah. Like, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, wow, well, that changed things. I'm like, why Why did he assume that he wasn't a 4-4 a four, four guy? Right, right. You know, right. it's the, the geography. It's the two things together. The other aspect of it, too, is he's not a kid that's gone to a bunch of camps. He doesn't do the rivals camps and all that stuff. Yep. He's a quiet kid. He's not a kid that's out there, like, building a name for himself. But, look, here's the deal. Bama wants him hard. They're pushing for him hard as a receiver. Clemson wants him. Oklahoma wants him. USC's recruiting him. And, of course, Notre Dame wants him. Yep. And, you know, I don't believe star rankings are the end-all, be-all. I don't think offer lists are the end-all, be-all. But you look at the combination of film and offers, and it's kind of like, okay, these programs, you know, Alabama doesn't just come up to Massachusetts for anybody. Right. right, especially skill players. It's not like the southeast is hurting for six foot two and a half receivers that can run. You know, there's a few of them down there. So I I think it's important. Uh, I think he's in a really important recruit. But yeah, I agree. Now, not everybody has him. I I bang on rivals all the time. I believe rivals is the only group that has him as a four star. Now they don't have him in the top two fifty, which to me is absurd. I think Ronan Hannah is a top one fifty player. I I do. I, I think I think he is. How many kids can can move like him and can literally legitimately start at the power five level at three different positions on two sides of the ball? Right. right. I mean, yeah. th- th- that many. list is not long, Ryan. No. It's not it's not long at all. Nope. Sid Irish, have you have you addressed this one at first, Ryan? Sid Irish says, "Why do I not? Why do I not get a good feeling about Jagusa Jagasol? He <laughs> seems to be trending away. Hope I'm wrong." Yeah, I, so, I mean, I, I'd said I, I'd say this. I would say this. I don't. I wouldn't say that he's trending away per se. Right. I would say that they're the leader and he's leaving things open, right? Like it, it's not, right. it's not being resolved to this point. Like there's not a commitment date that we know of in the near future. So I think Notre Dame's still in a good spot with with uh, Jagasaw. I almost said Jagusa as well. But the fact of the matter is, as long as it's still open, it's still open. That's the reality of it right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Look, he's not trending away. And we said yesterday, I said that I think that, you know, my confidence level has dipped a little bit, but it went from like eight to seven. Notre Dame is clearly in pole position. I, I, you know, why is not, not feeling good? I don't know. Maybe it's BK PTSD. Maybe it's that you tend to look at things a little bit negatively, Sid. I love you, but you do. And I think the other thing, too, is because it's part of it, I think, is our fault. I think, honestly, I think part of it's our fault because we, we really did think he was going to commit when he visited in April. I, I did. That's all the intel we got. And so we kind of we kind of made it seem like, you know, I think this is going to be a, a, could end soon. So when then he's like in no hurry and like commit, wait until June, I think that can make people get the impression. So I, I'll take some responsibility for that. I'll take some responsibility for why some people are thinking Charles uh, Jagasol is trending away. I, I think I, I'll take that. I'll own that. But I, just from an intel standpoint, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like Notre Dame is trending away on him. They just got to keep recruiting and, and keep 
and just close. But I, I put, I'll say this is my kind of my my give my not my giveaway, but my my best way to sum it up. I'd rather be Notre Dame right now in his recruitment than anybody else, and that includes Michigan. I, I would much rather be Notre Dame, and that's kind of how I think about it. And and yeah, that's how I think about it. John Mayo with a, I love this comment. He says the most important thing I heard him say talking about Devin Houston is when I'm on the field, I'd never shut up. We need more of that trash talking swag. As long as it's backed up by play, yeah, I I do like I do like that. I know my dad and I have argued about this for years. I like guys to play with a little bit of in your face because I I mean I grew up. Think about who I grew up, you know, rooting for in basketball. I mean my 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 childhood hero in sports. I mean even more than John Elway was Larry Bird. I mean there's not a bigger trash talker in the history of the NBA in my opinion than Larry Bird, right? And so. I like it because I think trash talking, if you do it right and you're a good player, Ryan, you get people's heads and take them out of their game. That's not just basketball. That's true in football too. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Ryan. I don't know if you're one of those just go play ball, you know, kind of <laughs> guys there's trash talking. And then there's like, you know, like when coach Freeman got on Maris Lua foul after the pick, like, you know, it wasn't so much an act like you've been there before, but if you go listen to him, he's like, don't get us a 15 yard penalty. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a line you can cross and you got to know it, but that to me, that doesn't equal trash talking. There's that's no. okay. You're, you, you, you're being a knucklehead at that point in time. I talked a lot, man. I talked a lot. I, I'll say that there is definitely a line that you cannot cross, but I like guys that tear that edge. I do. I, especially on defense. Like you need to play with that, man. Like you have to, you, you have to be a little bit psychotic at times. Like you do. So I, I'm full. If Juliet wants to talk trash in whatever sports she plays someday, if she's a sports person, I'll let her. As long as she doesn't yeah. get disrespectful, she can right. talk some trash. Absolutely. That's the key. Don't get personal. Yep. Don't talk about somebody's yep. mama. Right. That those are those, but that's not trash talking. Hey, I'm, you know, like that's what I, I love about most of the, like you watch these. YouTube's got some great Larry Bird trash talk videos. Mm-hmm. But it's usually within like it's the game. Like the one time you ever talked about a mom, Craig Elo told a story like uh, you know, is, is like, is your mom in the stands? <laughs> like it's like it was more more about like, is she gonna see what I'm about to do to you? Oh. You know, like my favorite was um uh, he he looks down. Uh, it was a, it was a Frank Layden was the coach of the Jazz, and mm-hmm. he's just killing the Jazz. And he goes up to Frank Layden. Mo Carr tells the story, and he says, uh, "You got any on the, anybody on that bench can guard me because these guys out here can't." And he said, "Frank Layden looked down the bench and he goes, no. <laughs> great. I love stuff like that. But I mean, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, two elite players, but they're great trash talkers. Because yeah. I think if you do it right, it can pump you up, but it can get somebody's head. I, where, where I don't like it is when you get personal, or when it becomes a distraction. Like, and it can be, some kids just can't do it without it being a distraction. And mm-hmm. as long as it's not that I, I I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it, but you better right. do something first. Like I hate guys that like make a tackle after a four yard gain and get up. Like they did something. I, I hate, I hate guys that celebrate when they're down by like three yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, like, guys, exactly. Guys, guys, exactly. Ty B with IB nation. My son just won his flag football championship. He's pumped. Ty awesome. B tell him congratulations absolutely he is a champ and tell your wife again that i said thanks for letting you come back on the message board appreciate that very very much to both of them but yes we have it we have a champion a father of a champion in our uh, midst today everybody david solomon says i'm sure when jim harbaugh hired mike elson he was counting on elson to be the difference in these michigan versus Notre Dame recruiting battles but he couldn't have foreseen al washington's influence i think it goes beyond that i, I agree Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't they didn't know that he was going to replace him with Al Washington. Jim Harbaugh knows very well what Al Washington do. He employed him for a year. 
but I don't, I don't think they necessarily saw that that was going to be the move. But it, look, it's like it, it's the same problem. Elson's having the same problem now that he had it at Notre Dame. You can't do it by yourself. Because here's the thing. Notre Dame, it, it, Al Washington didn't beat Mike Elston. Al Washington was part of a group of coaches that, that included Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden that beat Mike Elston too, right? Like let's let's right. let's think about that as well. And Jim Harbaugh is not exactly known as a an elite recruiter to the way that that other coaches are. I mean he he does he does the work, but he's kind of a weird dude. Like I've heard as many kids in my day kind of be like, yeah, that guy kind of turned me off. Like I maybe he wouldn't have if he wouldn't have talked to them, I had a better shot, right? right? I think it's just the overall vibe around that program. I mean, how can you sell a kid on coming here when you basically let it be known that you didn't want to be here anymore as your, yourself? Right. I mean, that's really a big part of this whole thing. So I, I I just I that's where I, I I don't feel bad for Mike Elson because he made the choice, but I somewhat feel like he's had some bad luck because it's like no matter where he goes, he walks in these situations where there's things outside of his control that keep him from recruiting at a high level, and that's why he settled a lot of times for guys, and he's doing that at Michigan, you know, like he's out there getting Brooks Bar and Notre Dame's out there getting you know Devin, Devin Houston. Houston and Bubakar right. Traore and you know and those kind of guys, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jim. We talked about this yesterday, Ryan. Jim Harbaugh, the the way in which Jim Harbaugh handled this offseason, he's in Minnesota on signing day. Every, he's telling people he's getting the job. They are recruiting. Did I did I say this early in the show, or did I say this to you on the phone, or somebody on the phone earlier? I said this today. So if I said in the show, I'm repeating it. I apologize, but if I said on the phone earlier, then I think you guys will appreciate this. Michigan right now is recruiting like they just had a six and six season. They're not recruiting like a team that just won the Big Ten, stomped Ohio State, and went to the playoff. They're not. like All the momentum they should have got from being a playoff team is gone. And that's 100% on, that's 100% on, Jim, on Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he is, he, he's the reason that they are in the situation that they're in because of the way he handled you know, other schools coming after him or other – the NFL, I should say, coming after him. And i be honest with you, I don't, uh, I don't feel bad for him to be honest with you, because that's the bed you made. Right. And I appreciate that he was honest with kids when he was, you know, when he was, when he was looking right. And he, I appreciate that, but I don't, I don't like the way that he handled it. All right. So uh, Ryan, big Jim wants to know, did your wife stick you in a broom closet? <laughs> you, see, you see, Jim, you know, when, uh, when a baby's running amok sometimes, you know, and you, you don't want a baby screaming in the background, there are some things that you have to do. Okay. And I'm not in a broom closet. I'm just in the hallway of my bedroom. Okay. So okay. stop judging, sir, but I appreciate you. <laughs> I love it, Jim. I absolutely love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Guinea pig clips. This is he hits it on the nail, nails it right in the it's right on the head. Notre Dame is destroying Michigan in recruiting. And we talked about this in the show yesterday. We need to rehash it again, but I really don't know. I really don't know if I can think of a kid outside of maybe Charles Jagasaw. And again, I still, like I said, I, I would much rather be where Notre Dame is than anybody else, but I can't think of a kid that they're in on. And I mean, they're talking about like Jair Hill is one of their top targets. Notre Dame's not even recruiting that kid anymore. No. And they could have had him in the class already if they wanted to. They yeah. chose not to. And Michigan's like begging that kid to not go to Illinois and pick them. It's not, I mean, this is not what a team that just went to a playoff should be doing, Ryan. It just, it's just not. Yeah. Now it's it, two teams that are trending in very different directions, right? Like they both, I mean, that Michigan 11 and two last year too, right? And they ended up with 12 and two, whatever they ended two. up being. Yeah. yeah. 
because they're so, twelve I mean, and one because they won the Big Ten title, so they went twelve and one and yep. lost to Georgia. Yep. So I mean, they they're in a relatively same ballpark from a win loss perspective, but the teams are trending in much different directions from a coaching staff perspective and from a recruiting perspective. So yeah, you you nailed it, man. It's not great right now for Michigan. It's not like let's call it is, and I'm gonna love it because I don't like Michigan, but you know, it's I still would like the teams like in Michigan and we've talked about this before the Miami's the Florida States like you want those teams to be relevant yeah. though you want them to be right. a good programs you want them to be competitive it yeah helps you don't you don't want everybody. your rival to suck because then exactly. beating them, it's like St- Stanford sucking has not helped Notre Dame USC sucking has not been good for Notre Dame there, there's no doubt about it so you you want them to be good enough to kind of make an impact but you also want to be good enough not them not to be good enough where they're beating you so, yeah, we shall see. Let's get to some more questions here. We have some uh, super chats here that we'll get to. ICURN with Irish Luck. Both Josh and Aiden, uh, you gave five star upside, but Josh was ranked ahead. Now with Josh's move, is that still the case? You know, I haven't really re- – I haven't really – that's a good question. I haven't um, I haven't regraded them. I would say probably yes. I'd probably still have him because I, I mean, I did talk when he signed that I that I could see him maybe outgrowing that position, and that was kind of part of it. But I'd have to really think about that one. Basically, what he's asking is, I, I gave Josh Burnham and Aiden Gabayer both five star upside grades last year, but I ranked Josh higher as a player. That was yeah. with me thinking Josh was going to be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I'd have to really think about that one. That's that's a really good question, and I and I really haven't thought about it. Uh, it doesn't change my upside grade for Josh a whole lot. But I don't know if Josh can be quite as elite as a defensive end as he was as a linebacker. I just I, I'm not sure if I feel that way. And part of it is just I haven't seen him a ton. So that's a good question. I've already kind of gone back and forth in my head as I've been reading through and talking through this. So you know that's a, I'm gonna have to think about that one. I'm gonna have to think about that one. Ryan, do you have a kind of an immediate reaction to 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 that question? I think it's I don't know who you had ranked higher in last year's class. You may have had you may have had Aiden already higher than Josh last year. No, I, I like Josh a little bit more than Aiden. It's an interesting conversation because Aiden, I thought, obviously projects to the position better. And now you're going to be able to compare them closely. I'd say I'd still go Josh because I think that Josh gives you a little more versatility at the position. Like Aiden's probably going to be a better pure pass rusher than a Joshua Burnham. But the fact that Joshua can do so many different things, dropping into coverage, drop, playing in space, working on the first and second levels. Like I, I think that there just may be a little more upside for Joshua Burnham, but it's a very interesting conversation. Sounds like a good article. I don't know. Yeah, yeah there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me write that down here real quick. Uh, so you think I'm joking. I got my notepad. No, I, I don't think you're here. joking. Yep. I was playing that for a reason, man. Yep, I was playing yep. that one. Burnham and Gobira. There we go. All right, good one. Well done. I love it when you guys can come up with show ideas and article ideas. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> uh, and thank you for the super chat as well. Toe Jam, 1992. Time for my IB tithing. New coaches tend to have a rough start. If we drop a few games, how hard will it be to keep this class together? I don't think it'd be entirely together. You may lose a kid or two, but I, I don't. I don't sure. think so. Yeah, I, I think I, the kids have bought into Marcus Freeman, but I also don't think that they're going to have a rough start. I mean, the schedule's set up nicely to where after the Ohio State game, there's not a team on the schedule that's on Notre Dame's level talent wise or really even close until Game Five. Right. And that's and that's BYU. I mean, even then it's like, no, they're on their level. It's not really I mean, not, if we're being honest, it's not till November 5th when they play Clemson. That's the next time after Ohio State that they play a team that's on their level. So I'd be shocked if Notre Dame, you know, like at worst. From at the end of October, they've got two losses. They're six and two at worst, in my opinion. 
And I don't think that's a rough enough start to cause them to lose anybody. Now, if they lose two and then get spanked by Clemson and lose to USC in a bad fashion and go eight and four, could that cause a kid or two to flip? Sure. Sure. But I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, I really don't see it. Cause I also think it's about relationships, right? I mean, that's a big thing too. I remember when Notre Dame went through their four and eight season and, you know, we interviewed some people, we talked behind the scenes to some people close to Pete Werner. And it was like, you know, nobody from Notre Dame really talks to me anymore. Well, yeah, you're going to lose that guy. I, I don't, I don't view that as being an issue with the staff. I, I really don't. I really no. don't. No, I don't think so either. I also think it helps that you have a lot of great recruiters in this class that are obviously close knit already. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff just drives you crazy, man. Cause that's just, I mean, they, to, to recruit at a high level, you also need to keep recruiting the players that commit. <laughs> like that's not, right. it's not just to focus on the uncommitted players. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's, I don't think that that's going to be an issue moving forward. I really yeah. don't. A uh, little bit of a somber moment here. I, I do want to pull this up uh, from a longtime listener, Connor Patton with a super chat. Thank you, Connor. Uh, please pray for my good friend who just went to a coma or who went into a coma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, you, you got it, man. You absolutely got it. So uh, if you don't mind, maybe um, shoot me an email or a DM or something. Let me know what uh, your friend's name is. I would really appreciate that. But uh, I mean, you know how IB nation is, right? We always step up when those things are, are asked of you. So we will definitely, we will definitely do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jay Clampett Investments asks Ryan, I think, or says that I think that Coach Freeman, being as young as he is and being a highly rated football player himself, with his pro career not panning out, has the unique ability to sell the opportunity Notre Dame offers. I think that is a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that is a great point right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously Coach Freeman would have loved to have a long NFL career, but unfortunately there were circumstances that prevented that. And I think that he can give him. He can give Notre Dame players not only the perspective of playing at a high level, being a high recruit, you know, getting drafted into the NFL, but also the fact that the long term is going to outweigh the short term in a lot of instances, right? Like there's no guarantees that football is going to be the long term. So, yeah, I think I think Coach Freeman, while also being a younger guy, can really connect in a lot of different ways to recruits. I think that he can connect with parents in a lot of ways, too, in in that instance, too, right? Like a lot of those things that – parents are going to worry about, right? Like the long-term future of, of their kids. So yeah, I, I think that that's a big, big, not, not only I'm just building a program, but then also obviously on the recruiting trail. I think Coach Freeman can bring a perspective that is pretty unique, to be honest, very unique. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan, I uh, I have to do it. I have to ban someone from our chat. Matt Riggleman. I'm sorry, man. You you can't speak this <laughs> blasphemy into our chat. Maryland's greater than Virginia. I mean, you know, I I don't know how you expect me to handle that, Matt. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like that. I got my hand on that that block button, and I'm just trying not to do it because I'm trying to be in a good mood. But <laughs> speaking those blasphemies into the channel, out. you know, ugh, you know, come on, man. You you got to show me more love and respect than that. I see what you're doing, Matt. I see what you're doing. Hey, look. One guy in this chat that we give a hard time to sometimes, and it's all in love, is David Solomon, right? And and David's – because we kind of 
tends to look at the, you know, we, we feel, we feel he looks to saw, but Hey, I, I, I mean, he, I think he actually, this isn't the one It was a different one. This one, he says, I was really da- disappointed that like everyone else, when he missed out on Anthony Lucas and hero canoe in 2022, if they get Jason Moore as well, they will have completely made up for it in 2023. And I think that's a great observation, David. Now, obviously the ideal moving forward is to in 2024, get the version of Anthony Lucas, right. Not miss on those guys and not have to make it up the next year. But I think he's absolutely right that I feel a whole lot better about where they are in the D line after missing on Anthony Lucas hero canoe, not so much, but Anthony Lucas, a very good Jason, Jason Moore, but we do give you a hard time, David, it's all love. But you know, when you come with the positivity, man, we gotta, we gotta pull that up and we, we got to show that to you. And he also said another positive thing here is he said uh, two th- 2023 linebacker and DB recruits have to be taking notice of Notre Dame's defensive line hall, and that can't hurt in recruiting these positions. And, Ryan, he's absolutely spot on. I mean, yeah. it, it does. It helps. And, and you you signed two top 100 guys last year too. They, they have to be taking notice. And linebacker hall has also been pretty good. I mean, y'all, they, they signed – three top hundred linebackers the last two years. And that doesn't include junior two Alamaka, who was a, a, a top hundred by one other service. I think ESPN had him top hundred. So four kids that you've signed in the last, you know, the three that you got signed last year and then one commit this year are top hundred players. So it's not like you've got to, I mean, DB commits are going to be looking at both and saying, you know, man, they're, they're doing something pretty special there. And you know, like somebody in the chat, I, I, I have to, I'd have to go through and find it, but he made the comment about, the, about he just has a feeling that Caleb Downs is going to pick Notre Dame. I don't share that that optimism. I hope he's right, but I'm going to tell you what, the, the best way to give yourself a chance for a kid like Caleb Downs is to be like, look, dude, look at Georgia, look at Ohio State, look at all the schools you're going to, and you tell me, all right, not what they've put in the NFL so far because you're not playing with Trayvon Walker and – and, you know, Devontae Wyatt and all those other guys, you're not playing with them. You're playing with the guys that are going to be in 22 and 23 and 24. And you tell me if any of those schools are recruiting the front seven better than we are. And I don't know if you can say that they are. I mean, Texas A&M had a great, great defensive line haul last year. I'm not touching their linebacker class compared to Notre Dame's. I'm not. And and so it's like, you know, it's a whole it's a whole group. And Notre Dame's obviously did pretty well last year on the D-line, and they're blowing it out of the park this year. So, Ryan, it, it, that's a way where you can maybe win those upsets over with the Caleb Downs. Again, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to get Caleb Downs. I, I'm on record yesterday saying I'd be shocked if they get Caleb Downs. But this kind of thing doesn't hurt. I will say that. It certainly doesn't hurt when you're recruiting the front seven the way that Notre Dame has. Well, we talk about it with the quarterback position, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball when you're continuing to get great pass catchers and offensive linemen. It's the same on defense. I mean, the defensive line, it it attracts a lot of defensive backs because they understand that I'm going to get a lot more opportunities because guys are going to be throwing in adverse situations. There's going to be some forced throws. I'm going to be able to make some plays on the football. And then linebacker especially – they understand there's nothing. I mean, watch Georgia this past year with guys like Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean was a really good player, but I mean, he had a lot of space to navigate without mm-hmm. much traffic, right? Like they understand those guys doing the dirty work up front makes them look good. So yes, it absolutely attracts. There's no question about that. Thank you for that, David. And I appreciate that you take some of our chop busting that we've done and, and stick with us. And I, I, I loved your comments today. Paul Keen. Notre Dame already has three more four to five star recruits in 2023 than they did the entire 2020 class. That's crazy. Here's something crazy for you too, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame has 12 kids committed now 
in the 2023 class, right? Mm -hmm. All 12 of them are composite four-star players, four or five-star players, all 12 yep. of them. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little wild. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really impressive. That's really, really impressive. They are definitely off to a hot start. Here's one for you, Ryan, from Antoine Porsche Rideau. Mm -hmm. What commit will be the biggest surprise to, to, to the both of you in 2023 that y'all don't think Notre Dame will get a commitment from? Hmm. It's very yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, um, well, yeah. So it's basically, so like you don't think, who they who, what commit will be for? the biggest surprise? I mean, for me, it would biggest surprise for me would be if they got if they got Caleb Downs. That would be the surprise for me. Like if let's let's just say hypothetically that in a few months, uh, Cardinal Tate has a change of heart and is like, you know, I I want to be at Notre Dame, I, and I know the money's this, right. but I want to be. That wouldn't necessarily shock me because I think he's always loved Notre Dame. It, mm -hmm. I just I've never felt like I, I'm not expecting it to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I I don't see right. Cardinal Tate coming, but like it wouldn't shock me if if. If Caleb Downs at some point in time said, I'm going to Notre Dame, that would shock me. That would mm -hmm. definitely shock me. There's no question. So, see, I read this question as who would be a surprise that they do not get. So that would be someone that I think Notre Dame has a good chance oh, at. Yeah, right? I did. See, that y'all don't yeah, think Notre right. Dame will get. So what I would commit, say, I mean, Jack Jagasaw would probably be my guy because I felt pretty good about what it. What commit long time, will right? be the biggest surprise to the both of you in 23 that y'all don't think Notre Dame will get a commit? So I, I, I get, I kind of take it. Antoine, could you help us clear this up? Because there's a couple like double negatives in there that make it a little bit um, hard. To, are you saying like who who would surprise commit that you think Notre Dame will get, or who is the guy that we think they're going to get that we? Because knowing Antoine, he's usually really optimistic. So my guess right. would be, and and that that maybe that's why I took it the way I took it, Ryan, is because yeah. I I know Antoine and and you're still kind of new and learning these guys, but he's usually pretty optimistic. He's a lot like Michael Campbell in that regard. You know what I mean? Like really looking right. for positive things and all that stuff on it. So sure. I'd be curious, Antoine, to kind of know what angle you're coming from on that one, and that because I think the answer for me would would change a little bit in that regard. Absolutely, exactly, exactly. A B C D E F. Getting Jaden Osborne out of LSU territory would be a big upset. Also, Absolutely. Ryan, there was somebody on our chat or on our YouTube channel that said, you know, that they they shouldn't take Osborne. They should just go for Samuel and Pemba because he doesn't like you know tweener players. I don't know where you stand, but as far as like my favorite players, maybe not the mm -hmm. five best, but my five favorite players, Jaden Osborne is one hundred percent in my top five. I love, absolutely love that kid. And I don't, I'm not saying he's one of the five best. I'm just saying I yeah. absolutely love that kid. I think that kid is a football player. I mean, and forget the angle of beating Brian Kelly for a kid in his backyard. I don't care about all that for the second. Like it'd be fun, but like just for just this kid, this kid, like when you talk about Notre Dame fit, you talk about Marcus Freeman's made a comment. There's kids that are Notre Dame fits, and we got to convince them they're Notre Dame fits. That's mm -hmm. how I feel about Jaden Osbury. I, I think this kid would yeah. thrive at Notre Dame on and off the field in a way that I don't even think he realizes yet. And that's why I've, I've always felt like, man, I wish they could get that kid because I think he would do so well at Notre Dame in so many different ways. Yeah, and, and I don't really like the tweener argument because I could argue that Pemba's as much of a tweener as Jaden Osbury He's is. More, right? He like, meant size-wise. Oh, size-wise. Size-wise, size yeah, size-wise. Not like position-wise, but tweener – like, because he's six yeah. foot, you know, 200 pounds. Gotcha. I think he meant more size-wise. As, as even, 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 even if Notre Dame gets another one or two linebackers, I would still keep it open for Osbury. I think he's not good of a mm -hmm. football player. And, yeah. again, I know you talked about, you know, you're not going to use the 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 side of, you know, stealing a guy out of the bayou, mm -hmm. but 
I, I, I'm so I am I am petty, so I will take that side. And I will I take it, and I will have yes. fun with it, and I will probably do a whole show on it if it were to happen. What I'm saying is that's not why he's one of my five favorite players. Like if he was from, you know, Boise, Idaho, he'd be one of my five favorite players. I'm saying it's like I love the kid as a player. Now, would that add some intrigue to the recruiting story? Heck yeah, it would. But that's not why he's in my top five. If it, I that doesn't matter to me in regards to top five. I absolutely love that kid. I think he's smart. I think also that he would have an impact. I mean, you got a kid out of Baton Rouge for even if Ed Orgeron was there, that would send shockwaves. You got a kid out of LSU's backyard that's a top 50 recruit. What does that say about what Notre Dame's doing? I just think I think it'd be one of those things too. Then if you're able to beat Brian Kelly for it, I think it would absolutely destroy everything that's being said. Uh, about where Notre Dame is at. So I just, I, I think it would be absolutely, it would be stoic behavior says, Brian, I really want Jaden Osbury. He's very talented, but it's another sting in the face of Kelly considering Jaden's from LSU country. And I don't disagree with any of that. I think all of that is spot on. My only point is, is while all of that is, is true and would add to the joy of getting him, I'm just making sure that people understand that that's not why he's one of my five favorite players. He's one of my five favorite players because he is a really talented football player, smart football player, instinctive football player. That to me, the epitome of a student athlete. Great student, great family. I just, I just love the kid. I think he's a heck of a player. John A. One asks, "Would Notre Dame take both Osbury and either Gallette or Impemba? Is it first come first serve? I think Notre Dame would take two of those three in this class. I do. I think, I think they, they would do if they got if they got Osbury." I think they'd still take one of Impemba or Galette. And if they got one of Impemba or Galette, I think they'd still take Osbury. I think of those three, it'd be the first two to commit would be the ones most likely uh, to me that that would be there. No question. Savage Science Fitness. I'm very curious how old you are to say this. Hey, Brian, I'd say Jordan and Kobe would t- talk trash talk a lot more than Bird. Uh, with Jordan wouldn't say that, and Kobe probably wouldn't have said that. It, you need to go. You need to go online and and do some YouTube searching because I'm going to go on a limb saying you're probably young in your 30s or younger, and uh, nobody nobody that grew up in that age would say it. Larry Bird talked more trash than anybody that I and, and NBA players say that. So there, there there's no doubt about it. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Sid Irish, Brian is Chad Bowden the new Vinny Serrato? I mean, yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, the reality is, is that, is that he's he's do, doing the exact same role that Vinny did. I honestly don't know if we've talked to a recruit yet, and I'm I'm being serious on this. I don't know if I could name a single recruit that that we have talked to in the last six months, especially, who has not mentioned Chad Bowden at some point in time. I honestly can't. I honestly can't think of it. I, I really, I really can't. I, I'm sitting there still racking my head trying to think of a guy, and I really can't. I can't think of a single guy that hasn't mentioned Chad Bowden as being Bowden as being part of that recruitment. And that's what Vinny did, right? I mean, now Vinny was a little bit before my time as far as following recruiting, but you know, talking to Lusa Moji and my buddy Tony, and talking to you know, getting to know a lot of the former Notre Dame players that played under Coach Holtz, and they'll tell you, like, man, Vinny recruited me. He recruited that guy. Recruited that guy. I mean, he was the guy that did a lot of the recruiting back then, and we're seeing Chad Bowden do a lot of that. Now, what I like about this staff is none of these guys are relying on Chad Bowden to do their recruiting for them. 
he is an assist. He is a guy that's doing it with them. And I think that is a, a big, big, big part of it. Irish for Life says, I am working on my father-in-law to watch this YouTube feed. Hi, Dad. Praying that you and Mom are feeling better. Yeah, we got to get him got to get him a part of this channel, man. I'm going to hold you responsible for that. We definitely, we definitely got to do that. And uh, Connor said his, uh, uh, her, her name is Brandy. So that is the uh, Connor's friend who is uh, in a coma. So if y'all will keep Brandy and, and her family in your prayers, we would greatly, greatly appreciate that. And I certainly will as well. Get to more, a few more questions here. David Solomon says, Al Washington is the reason that Sonny Styles is at Ohio State, not Notre Dame. He sure has brought his swag and recruiting prowess with him. That's that's factual, David. That's accurate. I actually had a conversation with uh, a family member of of Sonny Styles, and that's exactly what they said. He played a huge role. Now, obviously, I think Sonny liked Ohio State, but the recruitment of Al Washington. I mean, he, you know, if we're being honest, he beat Marcus Freeman for Sonny Styles. I mean, Marcus Freeman does, hasn't lost many battles at Notre Dame. That is one he lost, and so if you can't beat him, join him, right, and or get them to join you, and that's kind of what they did with without Washington. And, and I do believe he's recruiting a position that he's more comfortable coaching. I, I believe that and recruiting G Harden 370 with a super chat. Thank you very, very, very much. Sorry to be the Dante Moore guy. Um, but can you prepare him to be the last, can you compare him to the last two five-star QBs? Their name is landed uh, Dane, Chris and Gunnar Keel who left much to be desired. Number one, I did view, Dane Chris is a five-star. I did. He had a phenomenal skill set, big, athletic, huge arm. I never thought Gunnar Keel. I actually wanted Matty Mock over Gunnar Keel, to be completely honest with you. I, I, I never thought Gunnar Keel was a five-star quarterback. So uh, I don't view him there. But as far as comparing him to two, I think that's a good question. And, again, I don't mind talking about these type of things with Dante. I'm just not going to talk about his recruitment really anymore. But I think when you look at Dante compared to those guys, he's a, he's a more modern quarterback. Like those guys, like Dane Chris, you know, was kind of coming up in that era where we were all still kind of looking for the 6'5", big, strong arm, you know, guy could move in the pocket and all that kind of stuff that, uh, you know, was, could just, I mean, just, I mean, there wasn't a throw on the field that he couldn't make. I mean, he had an absolute bazooka for an arm and you know i wouldn't call him like a runner by by any stretch but he was mobile enough to where he could he could move the chains and, and avoid pressure and all that and i remember watching him at the army all-american game i was down there that week and i mean he just made some throws that just like goodness gracious like this kid is this kid is really 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 impressive and you know he just he just the thing about him, Dane was not super, super accurate, and he had a really long release, which I think got him in trouble at some times. And he just never seemed to pick up just really going through his progressions smoothly. So I think with Dane, that was a big part of it. And, of course, he hurt, he hurt his knee in 2010. He was, he was playing, had some good moments. I mean, the Michigan State game, I thought he made some – I mean, the touchdown pass he threw to Michael Floyd in that game was, was phenomenal. He threw the beautiful deep ball to Kyle Rudolph for the 90-plus yard touchdown that game. And, and, you know, I, I think the, the knee injury really hurt his confidence. And I think Brian Kelly and Charlie Molnar, especially Charlie Molnar did a horrible, horrible job coaching him. Like they were brutal to him. Charlie Molnar was the, one of the biggest a-holes I've ever met in my life. And the manner in which he treated players was really disgusting to be completely honest with you. And, uh, it, and unfortunately Dane caught the brunt of that and he didn't have the, the mental toughness, 
to to handle it the way that that um that Tommy could. And that's the thing about Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese is a mentally tough kid to deal with Charlie Molnar and Brian Kelly for two years. You've got to be you've got to be a pr- pretty mentally tough kid to be able to handle that. There is no 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 doubt about that. But yeah, Dante. So I talked about that. Dante to me, the, th- the other thing that separates Dante is Dante is more of a modern quarterback in that he throws off platform a lot more. Both of those guys had longer releases. They were tall. Dante's off platform. I think he does things off script a little bit better. His accuracy is way better than those other guys were. He doesn't have the big arm that they had. Those guys were both probably better runners than Dante was, although Dante could be a better runner if he wanted to, but he's, he's more of a pop, pure pocket passer. Dante doesn't have the cannon that Dane had, but he's got a faster release. He's far more accurate. And Dante's ability to process information is as good as any quarterback in this class or last year's class, in my opinion. I mean, it is it is elite. It is truly elite. And that's the other thing that really separates them from others. Michael Hahn with a, with a great comment. I, I think this is really spot on, Michael. Michael says, when Penn State was elite in the 80s and 90s, they picked up all the great players from Maryland. It is a sleeper state for talent, always has been. I would add, Michael, that that Joe Paterno also in that staff also did a great job of tapping into the Northern Virginia area as well. And they would kind of get Northern Virginia, Maryland, D.C., that DMV area. They would always be very successful there. And you are absolutely right. I mean, uh, D.J. Dozier was from Southern Virginia. If you remember him, he was their, he was their leading running back and was at 86, right, when they – when they beat Miami for the national championship, DJ Dozier was uh, a guy from a guy from Virginia. So uh, he obviously was, was a guy that was a, a really, really great player um, for Penn state a really, really good player for Penn state on a championship team. He was a Virginia guy. So yeah, that Virginia, Maryland, DC area was really good to them. Ohio state's had some success in that area recently. Bama went up and has had success there. They got the Cajando brothers. They got uh, Terrell Hall. Out of that area, John Mechie was a Jersey kid, I believe. Or was John Mechie a – I always get this one confused. Was John Mechie a – he was a Jersey kid, right? Like, I keep forgetting if he was from New Jersey or from Maryland. I always get that one wrong. I, I He was from New Jersey. Yeah, I thought so. So, like, that's the thing is, like, that Jersey down to Northern Virginia, that's – I mean, it, it all – it just kind of all connects. I mean, you know, when I was living in Virginia, my dad and my uncles would – we would kind of drive up the eastern shore – of Virginia, hop on a ferry, take it into, you know, Southern Jersey. And, you know, we are driving to Delaware, hop into, get into Southern Jersey or take a ferry into Southern Jersey and we'd go to Atlantic city, you know? So, I mean, you get that whole region, Notre Dame can start having more success there. There's definitely going to be some impact players coming to that region. And, you know, Notre Dame needs to tap into that. Cause the thing is, Michael, is what they have to do. And, and this is why I think Devin Houston and, and Jason Moore is so important. You know, getting the Cam Hughes, the Cam Hearts and guys like that is so important. The Sam Mustfers is because the more success you can have in that Jersey, that East Coast Jersey down to North Carolina, the more you can tap into St. Louis, the more you can maybe steal a kid or two out of Texas, the more you can just own Chicago and get when there is a big time player like a Dante Moore coming out of Detroit, you know, being able to get those kids it puts less and less pressure on you to have to get kids out of Florida and Louisiana and Georgia and, and, and states like that, where you're just not going to have as much success. Cause if you look at, you know, the States that produce the most NFL players, it's States that have big time in-state programs or are in the right in the middle of like, when you look at the Atlanta, 
and, and Florida areas, they're right in the middle of SEC country. It's hard to go down there and consistently get a lot of big time players. And so you can still get them. But if you can take some of that burden off by getting the guys like that out of the north, it can be very, very impactful. So, and then obviously Devin Houston is one of those kids. That's something that adds a lot of value to this pickup for Notre Dame and makes it an even bigger pickup. And if you can add Justin Moore on top of that, you know, boy, it, it gets really, really, really good. So John, so Keith Wiegand said that John Mechie played at St. James's Jr. Then, so I knew there was some kind of Maryland connection. That's why I kept thinking he was there. So I appreciate you, Keith, you, you let me know about that. So everybody, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, this is going to be our only show for today. Uh, Sean is still on vacation, so he and I are going to kick back up our Saturday shows that we were doing there for a while together. Uh, but he's uh, out in uh, California right now, so he'll be back. We'll, we'll try to get back on track next Saturday. Make sure that you're back with us on Monday, obviously. But in the meantime, as Mace AK says, join the message board. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell, share this podcast, leave a five-star review if you can, and as always, go Irish. So everybody, have a phenomenal rest of your day. I hope it's as beautiful where you are as it here is in South Bend, Indiana. Gorgeous weather. I'm going to go actually go hang outside for a little bit with my wife and my dogs and uh, do a little bit of work from out there. But thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks for all the super chats. Thanks for the people that have been a part of our board. Big day today for Notre Dame. Huge pickup. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
MyPatriotSupply.com.